What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey, this is Jordi Collada from the Jordi Collada Show. Our podcast daily is brought to you by RMB Builders. Give Reb Bourgeois a call today. He is a custom home builder offering both new construction and can remodel in the Baton Rouge area and surrounding areas. They are licensed for commercial and residential construction. They can also handle your office renovation or building maintenance. They're online at rmb-builders.com. They're on Instagram and Facebook at RMB Builders, LLC. Rhett Bourgeois and RMB Builders bringing you the Jordy Collada Podcast. All right, welcome in to a Monday edition of the Jordy Collada Show. Right here, as always, built by our friends over at RMB Builders. Get in touch with Rhett Bourgeois. You can find him on Instagram today. Hit him there at RMB Builders social media or online at rmbbuilders.com, rmb-builders.com. Hopefully everybody had a good Easter. Cold out there. Wet out there. Inside for your boys, Stewie. A lot of fires inside the gym this weekend. Stewie's here. Happy Easter, Stewie. How would feel? Easter. It was good. It was good. good All Easter. good? Yeah. Rained out on the baseball field this Rained weekend? Rained out on the baseball field. It's a chill weekend. Yeah, for sure. Uh, pretty good weekend of sports. If you were nestled in, was watching the Masters. The Masters were they. Man, that was a scary moment when those trees fell on Saturday. I don't know if anybody saw this, but there was a couple of video images that caught the trees falling at Augusta National. And my goodness, man, that is some of the scariest video I have ever seen. The fact that nobody was hurt, the fact that nobody was killed is an absolute, I mean, it's almost a miracle. Uh, with as many people and for three trees to go down. Thank God that didn't go down in a grandstand area. But everybody's okay. John Rahm is the champ over at Augusta. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, LSU women's basketball could be receiving an enormous commitment with the news of Louisville guard Haley Van Lith going into the transfer portal. Uh, if you remember coming out of high school, her uh, her her runner-up was Baylor, uh, so not just because of LSU's popular brand here. I think uh, this makes a lot of sense, so watch out here. The rich could be getting a lot richer, as last week we talked about uh, what Angel Reese and what this LSU women's basketball uh, program, the impact that they're going to have on the transfer portal could be, uh, and we may see it happen pretty early here uh, with one of the superstars of the sport. Uh, and Haley Van Lith out of Louisville, the All-American, uh, going into the uh, going into the transfer portal. So we'll wait and see, but uh, look out. LSU women's na- uh, basketball brand is on fire, man. Uh, they were featured on a segment on Saturday Night Live on Saturday uh, with Angel Reese being a part of it. I mean, like the... Uh, they had like the LSU gear on it. It was it was an incredible um, just showcase for the program. Whether you thought the bit was funny or not uh, could be debated. But the fact is is that LSU is getting a minute and a half, two minutes on Saturday Night Live with the brand being aired 
uh, on that show. It's pretty powerful. It's also powerful to see what's happening uh, with this women's basketball program right now. So look out uh, with what could be going down as far as the portal is concerned. Some news around the men's basketball program that we'll get to. In fact, Jalen Cook, the Walker native, is going to be in studio with us at 8 a.m. as he will be here. He's a former Tulane I uh, spent the last two years over at Tulane where he was averaging 20 points a game uh, and five assists this past season. Uh, really an electric scorer. He started his career uh, with Will Wade in the LSU men's basketball program. He transferred out to Tulane and is now uh, entered back into the portal and is committed to LSU. So in back-to-back days, LSU picks up a couple of Baton Rouge natives. We talked to Jordan Wright, uh, who transferred in from Vanderbilt on Friday. If you missed that show, uh, you can go in and check it out. It was an abbreviated show, uh, just about an hour uh, that we talked to Jordan Wright, and he was here uh, explaining on why he had recommitted or not recommitted, had committed uh, back to his state school at LSU. Uh, And Jalen Cook will be here this morning uh, talking about uh, his decision uh, to come back to LSU after spending the last two years over in New Orleans. Uh, at Tulane. Uh, Adam Miller on that same day announced that he was going into the portal, so we'll also talk about the effects and what that can mean. Sean Phillips as well. Uh, we, we, we reacted to that a bit on uh, on Friday. Um, and then the LSU baseball news, right? Over the weekend, uh, as LSU baseball gets washed out of Game 3 in Columbia, South Carolina, but in a very emotional Game 2, comes back and wins in dramatic fashion, uh, who plays hero? None other than Gavin Dugas. I mean, Dugas, every single time he's asked to step up, he has answered the bell this season, and he does it on the road in conference play against a, a really salty South Carolina group that uh, was looking to to take the series. And uh, that, that could be a game that I think LSU kind of goes back to uh, at certain points of the season and says um, – you know, hey, look, that that that's where you know they had a moment. They they built some trust. They built some confidence because uh, South Carolina was ready to play. As we said on uh, on Friday, uh, a very impressive South Carolina group. Their uh, their freshman um, who had just a enormous night in game one with the home run off of Skeens and the grand slam later in the game uh, was just a, a heck of a matchup. And for LSU to save that game uh, and, and win that game on Saturday on, on Friday, I thought was uh, tremendous for the overall number one team in the country. And look, Garrett Edwards, um, th- this is going to have to, you know, this will be a story on, on what's going on with him, but that, that's something that could affect the season. Um, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't, you, you can't start losing arms, um, if, if if you're LSU and and with the news of Chase Shores last week and and what could possibly be there to uh, Garrett Edwards um, possibly being injured and you know one of your 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 trusted relievers um, we'll wait and see uh, this happened in the sixth inning of Game Two uh, he was holding his elbow after he threw a wild pitch just one of those scenes that. You know, from a, a baseball standpoint, if you've watched the game, um, you know, it just doesn't look good. I mean, you've never seen a lot of good outcomes come from reactions of that. Uh, he's been LSU's top reliever 
all season. Um, I mean, he's got a under one ERA in 22 and a third innings pitched. Uh, that was going into the game on Friday uh, before the injury. Um, but LSU obviously has been dealing with a rash here of injuries now. They've already lost Grant Taylor. Uh, they've also uh, lost a couple of other guys like uh, Caleb Appleby and Jason Bowman for this season. But Chase Shores' status is still unknown right now after um, you know being ruled out last weekend. Uh, and Javen Coleman still has no timetable on on when he can return. So, um, man, you, you, you hate to see this possibly be a story for this this really good team. Now, I will say um, that Gavin Gidry again stepped up, and Gidry is a dog. I mean, this kid came in and recorded the the, the, the final two outs on Friday, um, gave a stare to the South Carolina dugout as if to say. You know we can we can do this all day. Uh, you know they they weren't going to hit him, and it it was very very impressive. And then of course, uh, you know Friday Gavin Dugas, you know really kind of the the the, the two Gavins stood up and played hero on on Friday's game as 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 Gidry uh, sits down the South Carolina batting order, uh, and then Dugas steps up in the tenth uh, and just is having a remarkable. <laughs> I mean. Fifth year, uh, just uh, unbelievable. Um, Jordan Thompson had a really good play, had a really good um, uh, series. I thought uh, Thompson hit a um, hit a couple of bombs on the weekend. He hit one on Thursday. Um, he had another one on Friday. Uh, he also had a couple of big walks on Friday uh, in that game. And defensively, uh, he's been playing really good. So. Um, Look, a lot of positive to take away. My biggest concern is Garrett Edwards, man. I mean, if Garrett Edwards is is injured, and that did not look good. I mean, as soon as he threw it, he grabbed his elbow. You know, I mean, it's just it's one of those injuries. It's kind of like a football knee injury. You know, I mean, you kind of know when you see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's like those baseball elbow injuries. It's it kind of feels like you've been so trained to to you know kind of what to look for. Um, usually when the indicators are there, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's usually every single time, not good news. I, I don't want to go there, but, um, you know, we'll wait on the official word of, um, what happens out of, um, LSU baseball, but, you know, I, for as good as they are and LSU is loaded, deep, intimidating, got a really, you know, competitive national championship type group. You can't afford to lose arms like this. You know, you can't go back-to-back weeks where you you lose a couple of your top relievers, and that could be possibly the case if you're talking about Chase Shores going down um, and Garrett Edwards not not being able to go. So uh, we'll wait and see. I'd imagine that Jay Johnson will have a lot to say about that. He'll be on with Mikey and the crew tonight. That's always coming up every Monday. So make sure and check that out. But all in all, I thought that it was a really impressive, you know, game two performance for LSU. LSU just kind of had, you know, no pun intended here, but it was really kind of a perfect storm for LSU in game one. You know, I mean, Skeens gave up two hits. They were two home runs. You know, I mean, after that, he was really starting to settle. I mean, he had eight punch outs. I mean, eight strikeouts. It was, he was dealing. And then the rain delay hits. 
And then, you know, behind closed doors, you're thinking, okay, if this thing doesn't last too long, maybe you throw him back out there, but then it went a little bit over an hour, and it's just, he means too much for the program, man. And they tried to kind of piecemeal it after that, and they couldn't get it done. And South Carolina, credit them, they've got a lively lineup. They were fired up, ready to play. It was very much like LSU's atmosphere last weekend, two weeks ago now, versus Tennessee, where, you know, Everybody around here has been looking forward to that series. You know, and, and that Thursday night game was electric. I mean, there were 13,000 people there. That Thursday night game in Columbia, people have been talking about that one for a while. They showed up. They were ready to roll. So, for Saturday, LSU to show back up, or Friday, for LSU to show back up and take that game away like they did in the 10th inning. That's what national championship-type teams do. Um, so... Um, We'll see, man. Hopefully they can navigate this arm, um, you know, kind of minefield that they're going through right now and save enough of them where they can be competitive to, uh, throughout the season. Kentucky's in town this weekend, and Kentucky has been playing really, uh, you know, really good over the last couple of weeks. They've been one of the hottest teams in the league. Uh, so LSU, again, has their uh, hands full uh, as far as the matchup goes. LSU will uh, play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, with this series, and of course, we'll have some input throughout the week uh, with uh, personalities like Chris Blair and Doug Thompson kind of catching us up, what's going on. Best way to keep up with your LSU baseball news, though, is mic'd up. Jared Mitchell and Mikey Matuk, a couple of former All-Americans and first-round picks for the Tigers, national champs, uh, have a podcast Monday, Wednesday, and Friday over here, uh, a part of our group and a part of our uh, our family, and uh, they do great, man. Jay Johnson's on with them every Monday night. You will not find more intense and greater breakdown of LSU baseball than mic'd up. There's just no way. There's no way. Um, it was – it was uh, – or it's just it, – it's a must-listen in baseball season. Uh, if you don't mind, hit that like button, share button, comment button uh, as we get going here on this Monday uh, a lot of places we could go here. We'll get a little bit down the road before we get to LSU men's basketball as uh, Jalen Cook's going to be here at 8 a.m. Really looking forward to catching up with Cook, man. I had a chance to call a couple of Cook's high school basketball games when he was at Walker and including called his uh, a couple of his football games his, his junior year. And people may not remember, he was a very, very high-end football recruit. I mean, he had offers from a couple of SEC schools including like Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Tennessee. I mean, he, he was a very high-end football player. Chad Mahaffey, the very successful university high coach from a, a couple of state title runs or three-state championship run uh, during his time at university, has accepted the job over at Walker within the last five years. And his first season there, he had a chance to coach Jalen and really used him in some creative situations that – you know, really got some high school, or excuse me, some college football coaches thinking maybe he can, you know, in a day and age where um, size and speed, um, you know, don't necessarily have to be the these football check marks where, you know, I mean, if you're fast enough to play in space and you may not have the size, people will take a gamble on you. Uh, Cook was one of those 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 prospects that really had a choice to make. I mean, he was the state's best basketball player his senior year, but he was the state's uh, he, he was one of the state's top football players his 
his final couple of seasons at Walker as well. So we'll talk to Cook about uh, what it was like playing at Tulane the past couple of years, uh, what he intends to do in coming back, and we'll also talk about the impact of Adam Miller announcing that he's transferring out with Sean Phillips, a couple of faces that you thought might be back for next season. Sean Phillips for sure uh, as far as the youngster went, but both of those guys out. We'll talk about the impact uh, coming up here uh, in a couple of minutes. Odell Beckham Jr. has agreed to terms with the Baltimore Ravens on a one-year deal. Uh, This deal could be up to um, at least uh, $15 million is what he can make and he can make as much as 18 13.8 of it is in the signing bonus uh the salary this year will run just over a million one uh and then he'll have three million in reachable incentives uh will beckham i love odell i i hope that this works out for him i will say that baltimore does not seem like the greatest fit for him right now first off i hate the division cold, rainy, physical division, a division that he's played in with Cleveland, right? I mean, he's played in a couple of divisions that uh, have been brutal. The NFC East, of course, with uh, Dallas, Philly, the Giants, and Washington to um, the NFC. What's that, the NFC Central? Or that would be the AFC Central. You're talking about? Uh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh. That's AFC North. AFC North. Uh, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a brutal, brutal division. Uh, and now with Beckham going back, hopefully now they can get this this Lamar situation hammered out, and this could be maybe the news that gets it over the top. I, I just hope that Odell can stay healthy more than anything. I know that he can still play at a high level. How long can he sustain Playing at that high level is my my, my only concern. Um, I would just, you know, I, I hope at this point in his career, he's been through so many surgeries and so many injuries at this point that, you know, football, obviously, it takes, it takes its toll. And, um, you know, at this point in your career, and, and Odell is now past 30, uh, has just turned 30. Uh, you know, I mean uh, – Football's a different game for 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 post thirty, um, and in that division, um, it's it's whew, physical man. That thing is a it's just a it's a fist fight every week. So hopefully he can stay healthy. I'd love to see him have a couple of more years in the tank, on where he could squeeze out maybe two, three more years of high end football where you can see him you know catch a crossing route and you know pick up a big gain. I mean, how fine was Odell back in the day? You you realize this now, the more that you, you watch NFL football, there's only a couple of people on the planet that can catch a five to eight yard to you know twelve yard route in the NFL and take it the distance. Right? I mean, when I say that, who comes to mind? Tyreek Hill comes yeah. to mind first, right? <laughs> yeah. Of somebody that can just catch it and change the scoreboard, right? From anywhere. Before Tyreek Hill, the only player in the league that was doing that was Odell. Odell was literally catching slant routes and taking them the distance on NFL football field. I believe his first touchdown in Cleveland for the Browns is on Monday Night Football. But I know this because we had Booger McFarlane on either the next morning or the Wednesday morning following this play. And they're playing the Jets. 
and Cleveland is backed up inside of their own territory. I think they have the ball at like the 10 or 15-yard line. You may be able to pull it up, Stewie. But Odell catches a slant route on an NFL football field and never gets touched. He splits the safety in the corner on the catch, and then he beats the safety to the back part of the the the, the, the field and just outruns everybody, and he's holding the ball kind of like a loaf of bread. I mean, it looks as if he's just doing this very easily. Now, early on in his days in New York, he did that a couple of times where he'd catch, you know, 10, 12-yard crossing routes. He'd split the middle of the field, and he was gone. Like, gone. Nobody touch him, gone. On an NFL football field, I mean, that is that is so hard to do. I mean, that is so difficult of a feat to accomplish. And I remember talking to, uh, to, to Booger about it. Like the, I believe it was the Wednesday after that. Asking him, Boog, how many people on the planet can do that? Like, how many people do you see week in, week out in the NFL that can catch a slant route 75 yards away from the end zone and not get touched going the entire way? I mean, he, he was so electric and such a freak on a field of freaks. Talking about this. This is it, Stewie. This is it. Look at that. Catches the ball at the 20. That's an 80-yard touchdown run on an NFL football field where he never gets – and he really didn't look like he opened it up. Mm-mm. I mean, there's and a couple of runs versus when he's, when he's with the Giants where he catches some, some crossing routes and he's got to really like put his head down and run oh and get away from people. And he just like runs out of the screen on people. Some of the finest highlights you'll ever see, Odell Beckham Jr. in his prime. Forget the catch. The catch is what draws you in. Yeah. After all of that, I mean, like, the plays he was making his first three years in the league, I still don't think that we respect. I mean, like, because you still, you get enamored by the catch. You get enamored by, you know, I think he made a similar type of a catch against Washington Mm -hmm. where he caught it with his left hand. He just kind of, like, grabbed it, like, real quick. It was like, boom. It's like a vacuum. But, I mean, just like the the 10, 12 catch games against Dallas, the you know, like the, the, the eight grabs he would have early on in his career where he would just bust a play wide open, bust a game wide open. Um, right here. I mean, I guess Jamar has that. It's you know, I mean, Jamar has the capability to catch. I mean, he did that. You know, I mean, I remember him catching that slant route at Baltimore's Rookie year, and he mm. spun out of that tackle, and he took it the entire. I mean, that surprised me. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, Jalen Waddle kind of. Well, Jalen Waddle has it. Yeah, he has it. But that's like, it's we it's, talking it, about three or four people. players. It's, yeah. it's three to five people, man. I mean, like, there's there, there's not a lot of people on the planet that can do that. It's just there's too much speed, there's too much strength. But I mean. I don't know if Odell, he, I mean, I, he cannot obviously get back to the form that he was early on in his career, but I still don't know if we truly respect how good he was his first I, couple of years I'm in the league. Coach. See ya.
Look at that, Coach. And I mean, that is an NFL football. All those guys are running. I was about to say, that's like, I mean, like that's DBs and cor- I mean, like, corners and All safeties. those guys are sprinting <laughs> after him. That's four threes and four fours at the combine running after him. He was him. so fine, though. He was fine. I mean, he was the best. Mm. He was so good. Uh, hopefully he can get it back. So he signs a one-year deal uh, with Baltimore and um, potentially could make $18 bucks. You would think if this does not work out, this would be the end of Odell, right? I mean, this would um, th- this would probably be the end if it doesn't work out, and you hate to see that. It's been a hell of a run, man. Um, but hopefully he can squeeze a couple of more years out of that body and create some, some, some memories with Lamar Jackson. They need to get that Lamar Jackson deal done. They need to get everything settled in Baltimore uh, and get that train moving back down the track. It'll be fun to watch those two if they can you know, figure it out, man. Uh, if they can, if if they can get it going, um, it would be fun to watch those two try and try and try and get going. Uh, remember, daily we're brought to you by Katie's Restaurant. Speaking of New Orleans, Odell Beckham, one of New Orleans' finest, one of New Orleans' finest restaurants is Katie's. Katie's in Mid City. You can find Katie's. They're located on Iberville Street over in New Orleans. Been around since 1984, man. 3701 Iberville Street is where you can find them. They also have their sister restaurant, which is Francesca's by Katie's that is located over in Lakeview. Uh, great selection of choices, man. Their menu is incredible. Uh, whether you are looking for a uh, a pizza and a you know a slice of a beer today to just kind of get you on your way, or you're looking for a uh, New Orleans-style po' boy, if you're looking for a, uh, a good, healthy dish to get through the afternoon, all of that can be found at Katie's in Mid-City. Katie'sInMidCity.com. Tell you all the time, if you want to get a personality of the city, if you want to get a feel of the city, if you want to get the senses of the city, the the sights, the smells, the uh, the, the 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 sounds of the city, all of it, uh, you can catch over at Katie's. Katie'sInMidCity.com. Katie'sInMidCity.com is where you find them online. And easiest way to really get in touch with them. If you're heading through the city this week and going in from Baton Rouge and what a good place. Who did I talk to? Tom Granning, a friend of ours, obviously. Great friend. Well, Tommy G. Uh, over in Natchez, make sure and stop him and, and see him at GoMart. He was in the city a couple of weeks back and stopped over at Katie's and loved it. Loved his experience and was shooting us a couple of pictures inside the text group of uh, some of what he had ordered and uh, just that uh, that he loved the place. Uh, I guarantee you'll love it. Check it out. Katie'sInMidCity.com. Katie'sInMidCity.com. That's down in New Orleans. Shout out to our New Orleans listeners uh, down there. More bad news around Zion. Um, with him being out uh, for uh, the playoffs. And New Orleans fell uh, last night, 113-108, to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And Anthony Edwards led the T-Wolves. Edwards, bro. I mean. Is that what Zion's supposed to be? 26 and 13 last night. I wouldn't night. say that's what Zion's supposed to be because he's a guard. So, I mean, he like. Who? Anthony Edwards is a guard. But so is Zion. He's played point guard his first two years, coach. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's a little different. It is, but I mean, he was getting, the, he can get those numbers. Yeah. I guess that's what Zion's supposed to be. I mean, I guess that's what the Pels thought they paid for. Like, the excitement, the, the leadership, like that type of stuff. That you don't see from it, like Zion. Uh, with the loss, the Pels fell to ninth place. They'll host yeah. uh, the tenth place Oklahoma City uh, Thunder in a elimination game coming up on Wednesday night. The winner 
will hit the road to face the Timberwolves Lakers loser for the eighth seed in a first round date with Denver. I got to be honest here. I'm tapping out. If I'm a Pels fan, get me to the offseason. Very disappointed with the way that this thing has ended. Um, What's the one seed? What's that? Pills are the one seed at one point in the yeah. season. It looked like a consistent, definitely going to be like a two through five. Yeah. Like they were never going to slip past that. And then once the wheels came off, they like just. Play in game. I mean, they've been riding <laughs> on the axles Jeez. for a month. I mean, with the news around Zion, with the, the losses, with the inconsistent in the lineup. I mean, look, Brandon Ingram looked great yesterday in, in spurts. I think he had 40, at 42. Um, McCullum had, had 23. Trey Murphy's still filling it up. Herb had 35 the other night. I mean, they've got some positive stuff going. They just can't put it all together at the same point, man. For whatever reason, they just they, they can't put it all together. And Zion, for as much as as I love Zion and I hope that, that he gets it figured out, he is consistently the issue that they have to work around. Right? And you know, I don't I don't know what the status is, I don't know what's going on, but it just man, it, it just has not worked. It has not been something that you can count on. It's not been anything that you can plan for. And in the NBA, um, when you're going into another offseason like the Pelicans are, where, um, you know, I mean, he's, you just you just don't know the status. I just, I don't know, man. I, I'm just kind of tapping out. I'm tapping out. Uh, Marcus Stewart, Jordy, Zion plays power forward. Zion is the positionless player that the NBA is trying to get towards, right? Mm -hmm. Stan Van Gundy ran him at point, and I could argue that that was where he was. That's where he was best. At his best. I mean, he controlled the game, and he's such a fantastic passer. I was going to say, he he has that, like, facilitator. Absolutely he does. Well, I mean, he understands that, you know, I mean, the defense is going to converge on him when he's got the ball in his hand. He, he, He really... What he does better than anything is he controls his body. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would think that he would probably lead the league in charges, you know, in that type of – but he's able to just control his body and make the right play. I would put the ball in his hand the majority of the time. The fact is, I mean, you know, the, the, the point is you, you can't ever count on him. Yeah. You know, I mean, you hate to start doing that, but when he's available and he's consistent, I mean, he, he's what made, really, Lonzo Ball expendable. Yeah, I mean, think about it. I mean, when did Lonzo really lose his value with the Pelicans? It was when Zion was healthy and playing out there every night and showing that you don't really need a point guard. I don't know, man. Pell's got some stuff to do in the offseason. They got to figure out the stuff, man. I mean, just got to figure out who's available. And and look, you know, a lot like we talked about with the the Camara situation, and this is a little bit of a different deal with the the Camara and the age and the respect and all that he's done for the city. But look, man, I, I'm not opposed to throwing the discussion on the table of, you know, what, what I've heard that he's barking for trade demands behind closed doors. And maybe that's the fact, man. Who's I don't, that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that is the case. I don't know what his value is. I don't know who would, who would really, you know, pay for what he could be worth when he's healthy. So the Pels lost to the Timberwolves after they got in a fight on the bench? Yeah, Gobert smacked up that dude on the bench. 
And then he broke his, the dude broke his hand in the hall, punching the wall. Out for the, well, I guess he's out for the next, their next couple of games. Sweet. In a, in a win. Hey. Cordell Zion running the pick and roll is a cheat code. Cheat code. It's unguardable. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's indefensible in the league, or at least it was for about a three week, month stretch there. The league had no idea what to do with it. Uh, Jeff and Kenner Zion is not barking for trade. Come on, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff coming out of New Orleans about what's going on with you know just the 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 stability and the future of the team. I, I think there's a lot of people internally, teammate wise, that are a little frustrated. You know, I mean, of what's the program going to be? What's what's the outlook? How can how, how can you how can you count on anything? How can you build anything if every single year it's the same story? You know, I mean, it's one thing to be on a rookie contract not playing. It's another to be on a max deal and still having the same issues. So, I don't know. Get to the offseason, man. Tap out. Um... All right, we're going to talk to Jalen. Uh, we're going to talk to Jalen Cook coming up here at eight a.m. and really looking forward to it. As we said, LSU basketball had a flurry of news late last week as Sean Phillips was the first to go into the portal. Ace Wolf followed by entering the portal, and then LSU picked up a, another commitment from Jalen Cook, who is a local hometown kid from Walker, uh, on the heels of Jordan Wright out of Dunham pledging to LSU last week as well. So lose two, get two from LSU standpoint. And from the two that you pick up, it's a lot like the blueprint of what Kim Mulkey and Brian Kelly have kind of laid out, have been successful as far as rebuilding and restoring rosters, right? Both those programs, LSU women's basketball and obviously football, uh, had an undertaking of rebuilding the roster and really um, you know, putting together a competitive group in a short amount of time after a ton of turnover. And the way that Kelly did it and the way that Malky did it was find as much of local talent as you can that wanted to leave schools that they were in, people that were already in the portal, and bring them home and start there and start to build kind of the pride of of the program first and, you know, make it attractive for people that would be, you know, either visiting interested in visiting or being recruited and then go win right i mean get out there and and, and win first and and really throw some some jet fuel onto you know your pitch to what you're selling um and one thing that matt mcmahon and lsu did last year was they went out and they restored the roster and they did it at a rate that was, um, you know, pretty impressive, right? I mean, it really was. I mean, to to see what they took on and the way that they were they they finished up as far as the roster looked, um, you know, it was in, in just an incredible body of work. Now, it did not work out on the floor, and I think that they learned some things. Uh, look, look, they they just tried to throw a bunch of band aids on 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 to the program last year and it just it just didn't work 
and they got to go out. They got to find. They got to find better talent, right? And I think that you can look at a blueprint like Jerome Tang and Kansas State and what they did because they did pretty much the same thing. They went and got seven transfers, eight transfers. The nucleus of that team was transfers, and they were a shot of. I mean, they were within one shot of going to the Final Four. So, you know, I mean, from a basketball standpoint, I think it's it's not impossible. And it was commendable what McMahon and his staff were able to do last season. But I think with the success of programs like Kansas State and what can really be done now in a transfer, the transfer portal's here, it's year two. If you don't understand it, you don't know how to recruit it. Well, you're going to get you're going to get left behind. So LSU's got a chance to, to 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 put this thing together. I mean, look look no further than Manhattan, Kansas, and what Kansas State was able to do last year. It can be done. You got to hit though. You got to hit on these players, and you can't take mid majors anymore. And I think LSU really learned that. You may be able to get one. I mean, you may be able to get someone that, that can step in and and play for a year, but you can't go get three or four players from mid-major programs and expect them to be your 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 starting group, the nucleus of your starting group. But Jordan Wright will do, and you know if Jalen Cook can transition that twenty points a night over to the SEC, that'll be phenomenal. But they've got to they've they've got to upgrade the talent at LSU men's basketball immediately. And I'm not saying anything that they don't know, but that's just that's where they are. They've they've got to get there. I think last year was just build the roster. This year it's build a competitive roster. And starting out with those two guys, I think, is is huge. Now, w- would you have liked to have kept Sean Phillips? Out of out of Adam Miller and Sean Phillips, out of those two, if you were saying you can have one, I, I would take Phillips just because of, you know, the, 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 the unique style of what he is. He's seven foot. You know, I mean, you, you can't teach that. You can't coach that. You can't produce that, right? So he was one of those young guys that I thought they had to – they had to hang on to Terrell Ward, you know. Obviously, is another one. Um, Jalen Reed would be the other one that they, they they've got to keep. I mean, they've got to keep those guys. Sean Phillips was in that class for me. I thought that he was a freshman that played really quality basketball down the end. That you know, you looked and said, "Hey, that's a that's a future piece you got to keep." And as far as Adam Miller is concerned, Adam Miller is a hit. People that don't believe that Adam Miller, oh, he didn't hit a shot, he didn't do... Man, Adam Miller was so far out of position last season, it wasn't even funny. He was being asked to do things that he just does not, he does not do well, right? It was very unfair to Miller, the prospect, for, for him to be, you know, asked to do those things, judged on that part of his game, because it's just, it's not who he is. He had to do it because of what we just talked about. LSU didn't have a lot of talent. He was one of their best players. He had to do a multiple of things. He had to do a lot of things. Some things that he just wasn't good at. But if you put him around talent, if you put him and give him a role that's specific to, you know, being the scorer or being the defender or being whatever his role is, 
he can do that. And he's a really good athlete, and he, he's a guy that, you know, I mean, coming off of a knee injury last year, I think was probably a little unfairly judged and someone that a good team has a spot for. Now, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not calling Adam Miller a pro. I'm not saying that he's an NBA guy. I'm saying that he can be a very, very good college basketball player and one that a winning team can use. So just to say that, oh, Miller's leaving and he's no hit, come on, wake up, man. Just because he wasn't good on last year's team, we're going to judge him? Some nights he was playing one-on-four, one-on-five. If I'm not mistaken, what, wasn't, he, wasn't Kansas State one of the schools that was like – TCU, Kansas T- State? Yeah. That Absolutely. Was, okay, so he was almost on a Elite Eight Final Four team type and, team. And he wouldn't have had that type of – Weight on his shoulders at all. He would have been able to be himself and really saw the real – probably really saw the real Adam Miller. But, you know. Best of luck, too. Um, go 10. Jordy, why Adam Miller couldn't shoot? Well, he's, he, that's, that's not who he is. He's a slasher. He's a get-to-the-rim type guy. And if you can put him in situations where he's not doubled, where last year all you had to do was double him, or you could put your best defender on him and just back up off of him and let him shoot because it's not who he is. Does he need to get in the gym and work on his jump shot? Yeah, a lot of sophomores in college do. Right? I'm not making an excuse for Adam Miller. His shot needs to get better. But if you believe that Adam Miller won't be missed on a team where he would play quality minutes, well, I mean, you just don't like Adam Miller, and I'm not trying to hear to, to make you like him. I, I get where there's parts of his game that are bad, that need improvement. But you're telling me that we don't have a spot for Adam Miller on a winning team, on a team that's trying to be good? I would say that's, that's not right. I mean, you can find a role for Miller where you can plug him into and say, hey, man, you don't have to shoot 10 jumpers a night. You don't have to shoot 12 jumpers a night. I would improve that in the offseason. I would put up three to 500 shots a day if I was you to try and improve that part of your game. But as far as being able to put the ball on the, rack, on the wood and get to the rack, I mean, he, he could do that. There's room for that. Can he keep? Can he keep guys in front of him on the defensive end? There, there's there's room for that. I mean, that, that's all I'm saying. Is he an All American or an All Conference player? No, he's not. But do you have room for him on a squad that's looking to compete? Absolutely. You can't just say, "Hey, yeah, uh, let let Adam Miller walk on LSU's team." I mean, who the hell's LSU? They don't have the luxury of saying, "Let that guy walk." You know, I mean, you better you better fill that spot. And from an, you know, if you're trying to fill it now, you're looking to upgrade it. And Adam Miller, year two coming off the knee injury, around some talent that's going to take some pressure off of him, is a better player. I mean, he he lost his biggest asset. That injury took away his explosion, his first step, his ability to run by somebody. You saw that kind of starting to come back at times, but you know, for a basketball player, for certain athletes, it takes a little longer than others. I mean, that's just the, that's, that's, that's the truth.
Joey Jett, there it is. He's a role player. When he came to LSU, everybody acted like he was supposed to be the star player. I, I think if he would have been on the team two years ago that had talent around him, he would have been a lot better player than what we saw last year. Would he have been a star? I don't know if I'm ready to call him a star. I know this. He, at Illinois, on two fresh legs, he, he was not the player that we saw this year. If you go back and look at his freshman highlights of him at Illinois, that's the player LSU thought that they were getting, a guy that could get to the rim, that could explode, that could jump, that could play above the rim, that was a, a really high-quality athlete. So I mean I don't I don't I don't think um I don't think it's fair I don't think it's fair to judge him off of a knee injury. I mean I really don't. I mean uh username 5617 before last season Adam Miller was Jordy's God's gift to earth. Not true. Uh go Tiger 10 Jordy but Adam Miller was sold as the next Ja Morant not by this show, brother. <laughs> I mean like what? I don't know where you heard that. I don't know who told you that, but I have never had Adam Miller and John Morant in the same sentence. And if I had, find it. Show it to me. But, I mean, uh, I've, I've never believed that. I've never, I've never thought that, other than that they have the same hair. Their game is not, is not similar um, in the sense of where it's close to being relatable to one another. I mean... John Morant's got some stuff going on off the floor. On the floor, that dude's a freak. And I, I don't. I haven't heard John get in any trouble since he came back. Right. Forgive the twenty-year-old for spending a lot of cash in a strip club after he became a multimillionaire <laughs> that week from Nike and Powerade. Good God! I mean, like, get a life, people. Um. All right, we will be back. We will talk to. Um, we're going to talk to Jalen Cook coming up here in 10 minutes. Uh, LSU football back on the spring practice field this week. Uh, and we will talk about that a little bit in hour number two. Come back with us. We'll continue the LSU basketball discussion. We'll also get back to Augusta. Man, how scary were the trees falling? I've still got it on my bucket list. I'm looking to do the Augusta thing. I was telling my dad yesterday we were celebrating Easter uh, over at his place. How I would love to do kind of a, you know, me, him, little Jay, maybe an uncle to Augusta for like a Tuesday through Friday trip. Catch a little bit of the practice rounds where you can be a little loose to seeing what it's like on the on the grounds for a day there of of actual play and, you know, all of how serious it is. I, I talked to, to to Peter Burns, who is a uh, he's a friend. He's from South Louisiana. Obviously, he's on the SEC network. He He went to the Masters over the weekend, and he talked about how much of an enjoyable experience it is because phones are not allowed. How it's an, it's what he called an engaged sporting event, one that he has not been to. He felt like in like over 20 years, it, it felt like, because everybody, you know, is just on his, him too being guilty. You know, where you go to the game, you watch the game, and as you're watching the game, or you might be in person at the game, you've got your phone opened up and you're paying attention to Twitter, what's going on in the other games. Right? I mean, our our attention span has become so just cut down where we can't function without scrolling or swiping or refreshing 
even if it's third and six with a huge play on the line in the second half. Right? I mean, one thing that Burns said was going to Augusta was it was so refreshing that nobody had any phones. Everybody was talking to one another. In fact, I had a conversation with my kid over the weekend, and this is a little bit about parenting. And we're we're, going to regulate the time on the phone here um, daily, especially like on a week like this where he's got, you know, it's a holiday this week. It's spring break. Um, Because... I mean, what the phones and what the technology does to the personalities of, I mean, all of us, right? All of us, but I'm viewing it through the, you know, kaleidoscope of my, my son. Um, It's just, it's, it's, it's so bad. And then, you know, last night we went and watched air the movie. Kelly, Jay, and I went to air. And I know it's R. I'm sorry. And he's young. But, I mean, basketball. Um, but, but, but you know, we, we, we did like the, the, the lunch yesterday. Uh, or I guess all day yesterday, Easter. And then last night at the movie. And then Saturday, we were kind of reined in after he had a full day in the gym. And we went and got something to eat. And it had gotten to a point where I was like, enough with the phones, bro. I'm done with the phone. Put the phone down. No more phones at dinner. We're not having the phones at dinner. We're going through a time period where we're going to regulate the phone. Maybe 30 minutes a day of the phone because there's just, there's no engagement. There's no, how was your day? Good. No, no, no. Over here. Like, how was your day? Like, look at me. How was your day? It was good, right? I mean, what, what was good about it? You know, like, and, I mean, like, you ask him something like this, and it's like as if I'm pressing him, and he's on a witness stand about, like, some murder. It's like, just, just tell me about your day. Like, who did you talk to? What teachers did you interact with? What went on? And it's, you know, like, you got to kind of break through this this gauntlet right there at the start to get there, but then once you get them going... It's like they like they, they don't even need the phone. They don't want the phone. I told him on Saturday, you're such a cool kid without the phone, man. But then the phone for 10 minutes, and it's just like, I mean, who are you, bro? It's like this zombie that doesn't talk, that doesn't look up, that doesn't want to convert. And it's just, it's just, I don't even know how I got there. Augusta doesn't allow phones. I love it. I want to go. It's on a bucket list. Eight o'clock. We're going to talk to Jalen Cook. Come back with us. Jordy Collada show built by R&B builders. All right. Welcome back here to a Monday edition of the Jordy Collada show. Hopefully everybody had a good Easter Sunday as it was, uh, man, it was non-traditionally cold down here this weekend. Windy. Stewie. Like uh, cold, cold. Like Yeah. I built the la- I, I burnt the last of my firewood Damn. up uh I still got a little bit. Right. If they want to throw a little if they want to throw one of these another one of these colds at me, I'll be ready for them. But I'm running out of I'm running out of uh out of firewood for sure. Um but Saturday was brutal, man. I mean, just the rain and the wind and the To me that is torture. Yeah. Like that that is the fact that people like go out and do things in that type of weather for me that is i can i can ruin a, a situation for everybody yeah i'm out in that type of weather. i'm on a, i'm I mean, out on the cold rainy windy cold wet rainy windy 
I mean, just brutal for your boy. I mean, the fact that people like get on boats in that type of weather, go on the water in that type of weather, no is chance. just. I mean, I think I might hate that person more than anybody in the world. Yeah. I mean, really. The person is just like, I mean, just, we got to do it. I mean, we're going. Like, we're going where? We're going out fishing. Like, in what? Bro, it's raining like, and it's cold. In the boat. I don't care. Like, bro, go do it, man. Go do it. Um. All right, we're waiting on Jalen Cook here to come through. So uh, we'll talk to Cook at some point. Uh, as uh, he made up his mind to transfer back to LSU. Uh, he's coming back through here. Uh, after spending his freshman season here, he transferred to Tulane for the last two years where he's averaged 20 a night. Uh, I mean, you know, 20 a night is 20 a night, man, in any league, uh, at any level. So uh, if that can translate over and LSU can get some of that scoring, that would be fantastic uh, for LSU men's basketball. But as we were uh, talking a little bit uh, to close out the hour of, of men's basketball, and we'll get back to it. Uh, the women's basketball program for LSU right now is the hottest brand in the country. Last week, we said that Angel Reese is the most popular women's athlete in the uh, she may might be in the world. I mean, but right now we'll just we'll, we'll call it the country just for the sake of the argument. Um, and if anybody doubted that, uh, to turn on or get wind of Saturday night on Saturday Night Live, that Angel Reese having a a portion of the show, um, you know, really kind of aimed to her, um, is is amazing. I mean, like it. it I, I can't think of anybody of that stature. Even when Shaq was on campus at LSU, I don't know if they were making skits about him on Saturday Night Live. I mean, it was really, it was kind of stop you in your tracks type promotion for for the program. I mean, look, and again, we can sit here and debate on whether or not it was funny or whether or not it was relevant or whether or not it, it was even deserved to be there. The fact of the matter is, is that it was. And that on maybe one of the most popular Saturday Night Live segments. And look, I'm not here to tell you that I've watched Saturday Night Live in a long time. I haven't. I mean, it's been decade plus since I have really kind of like cared about what Saturday Night Live was putting out, right? And when I was watching it consistently, it was probably like as far back as like Chris Farley and that group. I mean, I haven't watched it really since then. I do know that culturally, though, in our country, that Saturday Night Live is one of those, it, it's one of those mile markers. I mean, it, it, it's, it's one of those, it, 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 it's one of those shows, it's one of those, those icons that everybody understands, that everybody has some relationship with, whether it's an actor or actress, whether it's a comedian, whether it's the show, whether you are a you know, just a consistent watcher. I mean, somebody within the degrees of you has a Saturday Night Live story. I know the first time I went to New York City, one of the first things that I did was go get a tour of that studio, of NBC's Saturday Night Live studio. And once you got there, you felt like you were somewhere. I didn't know why. I just felt like because I'm at Saturday Night Live. <laughs> right like i mean like this is incredible like i mean how much production has come out of here how many people have been through here how many comedic geniuses 
have stopped by through here and like I'm just chilling right here. Hey, what's that show been in production for 45 years, 50 years? Yeah. I mean, let's see. And again, I'm not trying to turn into a spokesman for Saturday Night Live. I hadn't watched it in a decade plus. But, I mean, it's still on the air. Which is wild. How long, Stewie? Since 1975. 1975. So five years older than me. 47 years that thing's been in production. Nearly 50 years that television show has been in production. I don't care whether you like it or hate it. That's success. And Angel Reese had two minutes of that show aimed just to her on Saturday night. There was an actress playing Angel Reese on on the news desk of Saturday Night Live, maybe their most popular segment and skit, wearing an LSU 10 jersey and a purple headband. I think it had Reese on the back. It had to have, pointing at 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 her ring finger. And they can't, you can't, I mean, like, it was like, this is amazing. I mean, the, 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 the production, the programming, the promotion that LSU is getting. I mean, Kim Mulkey did, she did six minutes on Fox News last night. I hate Fox. I don't care. Okay, I'm not getting political. She did six minutes on Fox News last night. She's LSU's women's basketball coach. The point of the story is that they are crossing over into the mainstream into network television, into 50-year television shows, they're getting a little piece of real estate on. And then you look up and you learn that one of the best players in the sport last season in Haley Van Lith goes into the transfer portal. And, I mean, it only makes sense that she ends up at LSU, right? I mean, it... Where else is she going to go? Iowa? Did you see the back and forth between Gary Reedus and Angel Reese on Saturday about the transfer portal? Oh, yeah, on Twitter. Where Gary Reedus tells the fans, fans, I see what's happening in the portal. You don't have to send me this. Angel Reese quote tweeted and said, yeah, he's putting me to work. (laughs) Everything that we talked about last week is happening. Every single thing that we were just kind of like speculating was happening is happening. Redis is seeing these names in the portal and he's saying, Angel, you're the most popular, you're, you're the most popular chick in the world right now. DM her. I mean, slide in her mentions real quick, Angel. And see what she would think about coming to play with you in LSU next season. LSU might be the dream team next year. <laughs> yeah. Did you see Michaela Williams in the USA in the team? Yeah, USA? She missed one shot. She took 16. And she wasn't shooting layups. She was shooting 18 to 20 footers all night and hitting nothing but the net. I mean, like, LSU is going to be loaded next year. LSU is going to be must-watch television. If you don't have tickets, if you don't have season tickets... They are going to be fill the arena up every single place they go. Not just at home. People are going to be selling places out on the road to watch Angel and crew take over the 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 the, the, the arena. I mean, it is going to be a traveling circus 
I mean, it, it's going to be personalities. It's going to be social media. It's going to be NIL. It's going to be Kim Mulkey. It's going to be private planes and five-star hotels and the national champs. I mean, it's here. I mean, <laughs> LSU women's basketball is about to turn into Alabama football where every single year they're just pumping pros out. I mean, it just, she was six of seven from three-point range, Michaela Williams. It's ridiculous. Ace Jordan says she will likely end up at Ohio State. Who? Uh, Haley Van Lith. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know coming out of high school, her second on her list was Baylor. Be tough to turn down LSU women's basketball right now if they're asking for you. Yeah, I wonder if uh, Ohio State has. I mean, what do I know about side. Ohio State's women's basketball? I just found out they had a program. <laughs> I think they were in the what Elite Eight, huh? I get it, but you know, I'll come up. Sorry, Gordon. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I mean, have that like, either. <laughs> I mean, the WNBA doesn't have Gordon. Yeah. Trust me, they ain't spending NIL money at Ohio State on women's basketball. No. <laughs> they got football players driving Lambos over there, Coach. Well, they're not, getting the, they're not getting the return on the investment. LSU is now getting the return on women's college basketball's investment. Where, I mean, the season's been over for now a week and a day, and they've never left the news cycle. And still not leaving the news cycle. I mean, I listened to Coach K's podcast over the weekend. Kim Mulkey was the guest. I mean, Kay's sitting there telling her how they used examples of her to motivate her team. Mulkey's sitting there telling him how they used examples of him to motivate her team. It was a love fest. Oh, jeez. I mean, it was, it was unreal. I mean, like just going back and forth for 20 minutes. It's, man. Hunter Vornette, literally no one has mentioned Ohio State and Van Lith in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Hunter. She's coming to LSU. I mean, this is what we talked about last week, right? When you put someone in place that says, all right, let's focus on athletics at LSU. Like, let's get it right. Finally, right? Somebody has come in here and said, this is how you run a business. This, this is an investment that you have to put people, time, and energy around. And you have to put resources that you can develop programs around. Now that's what's happening with Scott Woodward. He's come in, found the right people, given the resources, supported financially, and this is LSU Athletics when LSU athletics is nurtured, paid attention to, and run by the correct minds. The reason why people are so intimidated about LSU's athletic department because they know deep down if they ever get it right, if they ever figure it out from the personnel standpoint, and really more than anything, they can keep the politics and the, the money-hungry politicians and greedy employees out of the power and money, then they will build a monster, a monster 
where they're going to show up in baseball, they're going to show up in football, they're going to show up in women's sports, they're going to show up for whatever is winning. Kelly and I went to a sand volleyball game three weeks ago. The place was packed at 6 o'clock on a Saturday night. Why? Because they win. Went to the box last Thursday night for the opening game versus Tennessee. Couldn't put another person inside of that place on a Thursday afternoon. When LSU opens up their football season in Orlando against Florida State, they're going to need more tickets because they're going to buy out their allotment. They're going to buy out the secondary. They're going to buy out the ones on the ground, and they're going to be looking for more. When LSU women's basketball plays big games next year, whether it's on the road or at home, they're going to be a sea of purple and gold behind them. It's a monster, man. It's for the first time in my life, and I'm 42, been covering it now since I've been 28, that they have had the people in place aligned that have the vision, have all the resources, understand the monster that they are feeding every single day, and can turn this thing into a multi-program national championship reigning power at any minute, it feels like. They've gotten the buy-in from name, image, and likeness support. They've created the collective. They've got boosters outside of the collective that want to be a part of it. Buy your tickets now. Bring your kids to the games. Get your kids to campus. Right now, I'm telling you, we are experiencing, if not the beginning, we're in it of the golden age of LSU athletics. All in all. All programs. We just came out of football's golden age. They're about to revitalize it and keep it moving. LSU women's basketball is about to hit another skid of golden age. And it feels like the baseball program is about to hit a run here that's going to you know, be really fun for the next 7 to 10 years. If the basketball program can start to bring some, pay, you know, some players in and compete at a high level like they were, I mean, you're talking about an athletic program that is producing at a national championship clip in five sports. All of the majors outside of men's college basketball right now. Ralph Williams, Jordy, every school could be a monster if they win. Ralph, you know how hard it is to win in every sport on a campus? Name me a university that does it. In all the major sports. There may be some out there, but it's going to... It'll be real quick of a list. It'll be real short of a list. Think about what LSU's doing right now. They're in the second year of Kim Mulkey, second year of Jay Johnson, second year of Brian Kelly, entering the second year of even a guy like Matt McMahon. Three of those four sports we just rattled off are in the top five of their sport. Women's basketball's national champs. LSU baseball is number one in the country. I would venture to say that LSU football will be preseason number five next year at the beginning of the year. I mean, that's that's a beast. That's a monster. That's a, oh shit, here comes LSU. If you're looking around. 
This is exactly what, I mean, Saban's best friend still lives in Baton Rouge. Like, like still to this day, like his, his best friend is Lenny Lemoyne who owns Lemoyne construction or did, uh, or, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what the, the, the power structure of that very successful company is now. I know it's a family owned and operated company, so I don't know where he is as far as the, but, but he still goes and hangs out with Saban on the lake. They still take trips together. He still stays with him when he goes to Tuscaloosa for, you know, the LSU game, vice versa. If Saban ever comes in town on a recruiting trip, he's staying at, I mean, like they are, they are tight, man. And there are people that are close to, to LeMoyne that say that Saban has always told him that this could be at LSU. Like, he knows that LSU is one of only a few schools that could really, if they have the right people and the right buy-in in place, that the whole program could be just a monster. A monster because of how everything really just adds up, right? The recruiting ground. I mean, you don't have to travel far outside of the base to go get players, which is really the most important part. Saban was really kind of the one that pushed the administration 25 years ago to buy in, to spend money, start building facilities, take that next step, become great, embrace that, hire the right people. Don't go hire the Louisiana guy because he's been doing it the same way the entire time. Go find the best person for the job. And once that really kind of started to take shape, you know, I mean, that was that part of it. You're now, you're now committed to facilities. You're now committed to personnel. You're now committed to what, what it takes to, to win from that standpoint. Then you start incorporating TAF and fundraising and money, and then it changes with NIL, and you got people that buy in with, you know, boosters outside and people that are even internal that are saying, hey, how do, you, how, how do we do this collective thing? where you can keep up with schools. And once everybody has kind of found their position and found their, 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 their place, man, LSU is in a, in a place where I'd imagine two years from now, think about two years ago to two years from now. Two years ago, LSU was at the centerpiece of NCAA investigation, both from their practices of their basketball program and to their sexual conduct or sexual dealings with misconduct amongst athletes and students on campus. LSU was a public relations nightmare two years ago. Nightmare. Think about where they are now, where the PR is not nearly, not quite not as close to as bad as it was during then. In fact, it's taken a turn where it's really starting to spin positive to two, two years from now, what it could be. You could be looking at multinational championships in women's basketball, potential national championship in football, potential national championship in baseball. And who knows what else is happening on campus at that time. But, I mean... I think you know. I mean, remember when Wood when Woodward was here, um, the day he, he he sat in for the interview, and we asked him about the Mulkey situation, and the way that he responded, and now hearing him when he's asked about you know hires of Brian Kelly, hires of Jay Johnson, hires of Kim Mulkey. Of this is LSU. What do you expect? You should expect 
greatness at LSU. You should expect people want to come to LSU. And that's the mindset that LSU's been missing. LSU's been always very apologetic for being LSU. You know, like, uh, you don't want the job? Okay, sorry, I, I didn't mean that. You're like, no, you want this job. Well, yeah, you're gonna have to pay me three and a half. Well, here, here's your, here's your three and a half million, Kim Mulkey. What does that get you in return? It gets you a national championship in two years. It gets you a piece of real estate on Saturday Night Live in the middle of April, a week after winning the Natty. It gets your coach six minutes of FaceTime on network television. I mean, you think that three and a half million is worth it? I mean, it's, it, it takes those types of minds to take those types of choices and guts to write those checks. Well, they got the money. Yeah, they've always had the money. Why, weren't, why, why wasn't leadership putting these types of people in place the whole time? They've always had the money relative to the, the time and date of the situation. It didn't, it may not, the, the, the market may not have said that you have to pay your, your basketball coach three and a half million dollars, but I know that LSU under Joe Oliva was paying their women's college basketball coach $800,000, and at that time, it was a contract that looked at as a cautionary tale because it was the wrong person. Yeah, if you got $800,000 to throw around, that's good. Make sure and give it to the right person. Not the one that won't recruit and doesn't care that people aren't showing up. Look what happens when you get the right person. So, I mean, it's not just because they have money that it's going to work. Well, I cut the check. Well, who cares if you cut the, you cut the check to the wrong person. I mean, it's, it's just, it's the, I mean, you know, it's, it's just kind of all the words that we've heard about. Alignment, resources, facilities, money, personnel. It's all its all kind of adding up for LSU right now. Um, it's fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of. It's fun to cover. It's got to be fun to be a ticket buyer, be a ticket, you know, someone who is invested into the program from a, a ticket buying standpoint. Um it's just it, it's it feels much different in day and time. Like we said, I mean, it's two years ago is not a long time. Think about how fast the narrative has changed in just a couple of years to where it could be two years from now. I mean, you know, I mean, this LSU brand could be a rocket ship, man. And there's also things that you have to learn along the way. I mean, if you're going to take that, if you're going to take that 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 elevation again. You got to learn some things that, that 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 beat you up and brought you back down to life, right? I mean, hopefully LSU is never in a situation again where they're, you know, being out front and ridiculed on how they handle sexual harassment. And you know, I mean, hopefully they don't get caught in in situations where they're they're bringing in the wrong personnel and just allowing them to 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 exist. But right now it feels like it's it's incredible to to be a part of of the program because it feels like it's like I said it's on a rocket ship man. Remember daily we're brought to you by Premier South Roofing uh, and Sheet Metal. Premier South Roofing and Sheet Metal uh, our good friends and they have really uh, set themselves apart as far as their roofing experts go. They're Louisiana's premier roofing expert with 
Um, call centers waiting on you now in Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Lafayette, and North Shore. All you got to do is log on to PremierSouthLA.com. If you need a repair or a replacement, Premier South Roofing can help you out today. They can help you with commercial roofing, metal roofing, residential roofing. If you need a roof repair or roof maintenance, Premier South Roofing can help you. All the weather that came through this weekend, all the rain, if you have any leaks, get in touch with our friends over at Premier South today. Online, PremierSouthLA.com, PremierSouthLA.com, reminding you every single day, remember, if your roof is eight years or older, if your roof has... um, been there since for, for, for eight or more years, Obvi- uh, odds are you qualify for a brand new roof. You definitely qualify for a free inspection from the pros over at Premier South Roofing and Sheet Metal. So get in touch with them today, PremierSouthLA.com, PremierSouthLA.com. And like I said, if you had some leaking come through over the weekend with all the rain, or if your roof is eight years older or more and you just want that inspection to see what's going on, let the pros over at Premier South Roofing consult with you today. Get in touch with them online, PremierSouthLA.com. Doesn't matter where you are, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Lafayette, North Shore area, coming soon to Fairhope and Daphne, Alabama. Online, PremierSouthLA.com, PremierSouthLA.com. We'll be back with more of the Jordy Collada Show built by R&B Builders. All right, welcome back here to a Monday edition. We'll confuse you with Jalen Cooper and having men on studio one day this week uh look forward to catching up with him thanks for everybody for stopping by here on this monday as uh we get going here uh throughout the week we will uh have our regular uh regular uh conversations we'll talk to uh doug thompson at some point coming up here uh probably tomorrow on uh his reaction to lsu baseball last weekend I'll continue the discussion on this LSU women's team as they continue to see their star shine even brighter here in the offseason. As well, Alexis Morris has been invited uh, to attend Monday's, uh, tonight's uh, WNBA draft uh, as she will be there in New York City um, as uh, it will air tonight at 6 o'clock on ESPN. So uh, hopefully we find out something here on Haley Van Lith here pretty soon. Get ready for some good news is what I'm hearing. Uh, and uh, we will have more for you tomorrow. Please hit that like button, share button, comment button. Hopefully everybody had a good Easter weekend, and we'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Stay tuned, mic'd up this afternoon. You will want to catch this one as uh, Jay Johnson will be in for his regular Monday uh, interview with uh, with the boys. Uh, have a great Monday. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. <laughs>